Well, I have a very special couple I want to introduce you to. Some of you may know them, some of you may not. Uh, this is a couple that knows who they are and who they belong to. Uh, they've been friends, uh, special friends of Mary and I for over 20 years. Uh, they are dear friends to the church at the Red Door. And I'd like you to give them a warm welcome. Mike and Tracy Gross, please come on up. Microphone's right there. Yeah. All right. Good morning, guys. Come out over here, though, into the light. Okay. All right. There you go. Oh, that really shines. Yeah. People in the front row get blinded. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Mike and Tracy Gross, for those of you that don't know, have been uh, heading up Angel Tree Ministries here in the desert for like 17 years. Yeah. There have been thousands of children have had Christmas because of them. The disenfranchised, many of them been introduced to Jesus, many of them been taken to camp, learned, learned more about who they are. Uh, they just got back from camp, and they just had a couple of great stories that I thought you would just love to hear. Well, first, for those of you who don't know, Angel Tree is part of Prison Fellowship Ministries, which is Chuck Colson. So we work with the prison population, um, like right now, we sign up now to do Angel Tree Christmas, is when you get all the gifts for the kids, and from that group, we draw kids for our principal camp, ages 7 to 11, and that's a target group we work with initially. Um, there's probably 2.5 million kids across the nation whose parents are incarcerated. Um, there's well over, at one point, we knew there were 1,200 that we knew of just in the valley um, whose parents are incarcerated. These kids are six times as likely to go to prison as the kids whose parents aren't in prison. Wow. So it's a tough group. Um, obviously, typically what happens, they're economically distressed as well. Uh, most of these people are living in poverty situations, not all. Um, in the state of California, basically, if you're not reading at age in the fourth grade, they kind of plan for another prison cell. And that's the population we work with. So part of what we do is we go in, obviously we, we get to share the gospel with these kids, and it's wonderful. We've seen lots of restoration within mm -hmm. the family, which is our focus. Um, but uh, So the camping is great because it gets us connected with the families throughout the year. And you guys don't even know it, but <clears throat> we've helped to meet the needs of families just financially in other ways um, yeah. through basically funds that are available here with these. So... It's not just Christmas and camping, but we stay connected and build relationships with these families. So yeah. something special happened this year. Yeah. yeah like we, something special happens every year. But. Yeah, we never know what God's going to do at camp when you take kids to camp. And um, this year, something really special has never happened before. Besides the kid going down the slide 31 times, that's never happened. And falling in the lake, that's never happened. But this is a special story. We, we bring kids from our area. We are also joined with some kids from the San Jacinto Hemet area, which is where the camp is located. So those kids joined our group, which has happened before, and we, always, we are always open to bringing those kids. So our mentors, and by the way, a mentor is somebody who comes and volunteers at camp with us who are trained to deal with these kids, and they are with the kids the whole entire time. They are assigned two or three kids to them. So our adult mentors have a big role to play. So there was one special girl. She's 12 years old. She, the only thing I knew about her was she, she was in foster care. So our mentor um, that we took with us mentored this young girl. She was very sweet, had some special needs, maybe a little autistic, 
um, some trauma. She probably, uh, she was in a lot of medication. But the cool thing was is another mentor couple that came with us this year, they're a married couple. We've known them probably 20 years. Um, they homeschooled at the same time that we were homeschooling our kids. Now their three kids are out of their home and they had been praying and thinking about fostering. So two weeks after camp, this young girl, this 12-year-old with special needs, moved into their house in Indio. They were able to get an emergency foster, and she was in a home in two weeks. She was not in, in you know, she was in foster care. Her grandmother and grandparents couldn't take care of her anymore. So mm -hmm. she was just like living in the office of the foster cage, and she wasn't assigned to a family. So this couple, and I'm just going to ask you to pray for this couple mm -hmm. and this young girl. Um, they've taken on a lot. It's going to be a road for them, but we just pray for this young girl and this family. And I keep them in your prayers. Wow. So, thanks. Yeah. Um, why don't you pray for that family right now? Sure. Father, we are uh, we're just honored in that you give us the privilege of serving you, um, wherever that may be. Father, we just thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, you knew this was going to happen long before we did, and we appreciate just the depth of your love for us, your concern for the broken, and just for the family. We know them well, Father. Um, there will be challenges ahead. There's already been a number of challenges. We just pray for strength for them within their community, Father. They are part of a good church community. Uh, keep them supported both in prayer and just in the needs they have, but um, thank you for their heart and for their willingness to give. And thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for who you are. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started with who you are. I got a little cute intro for you. So who are you? <laughs> you know, uh, I came across a story. This guy has been away from home for a while on a business trip. And his name was Bill. And he thought, well, you know, he'll stop by, pick his wife up a gift. So he's at Macy's. And he's in the cologne department. And he thought, you know, I'll get her a bottle of perfume. And so he asked the clerk, how much is the cologne? And the clerk says, it's $60. And he goes, you know, I think that's a bit much. So she returned with a smaller bottle, and she goes, this is $30. And he says, that's still quite a bit. Growing annoyed, the clerk brought a tiny bottle. You know those travel ones? $15. You know, he said, what I mean, I would like to see something really cheap. She handed him a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Today, I would like us to look at who are we? I mean, really. I, mean, I want us to take a really long, hard look in the mirror and just who the heck is in the reflection? Who are we? And I want you to get this, not who we act like, not how others may perceive you, not what you've been in the past, but who you really are. 2 Corinthians 3, uh, Paul says, But we all, with unveiled faces, looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, 
We're being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. What is reflected in the mirror? What do you really see? You know, a certain private school was faced with a very unique problem. Several 12-year-old girls are beginning to put lipstick on. And when they put the lipstick on, they would then put their lips to the bathroom mirror. So the mirror is all covered in lips. Well, every night, the maintenance man would remove them, yet the very next day, the girls would put them right back on the mirror again. Well, finally, Mrs. Hatcher, the principal, she goes, boy, something's got to be done with this. She called all the girls into the bathroom and, and the maintenance man. She explained that all these lip, lip prints were causing a real problem for this custodian because every night he had to go in there and clean those mirrors off. To demonstrate how difficult it was, she asked the maintenance man to show the girls just how he does it. Well, he took out a long-handled squeegee, he dipped it in the toilet, and he washed the mirrors with it. No problems since that day. <laughs> See, don't miss this. If you're new here or new online, when I say don't miss this, this is something I want you to remember if you forget mostly everything else I talk about. If you want to know who you really are, we need to look into the mirror of God's Word. We need to look into this because this shows us who we truly are. When we look in God's mirror, you know what we're going to find? We're going to find some feelings, thoughts, problems, attitudes that we have held onto because we don't allow God to transform us, as Paul was just talking about. Jesus has the power to change the person in the mirror. Jesus has the power to transform you and me. And if we're honest, am I right? There are times when we don't act like the man or woman God's called us to be. You know, a man was sitting at a stoplight, and a lady in front of him, she was sitting there going through a whole bunch of papers. You know, she's laying on her passenger seat. The light changed to green, and before she got everything back, it turned to yellow and back to red again. Well, there's a guy behind her in the car, and he just starts screaming. And he's pounding on this. I mean, the windows are up and everything, but he's pounding on the steering wheel and he's screaming. And his, his expressions of distress were quickly interrupted by a policeman tapping on the window. He rolls down his window. The officer's got his hand on his weapon. And the man turns to him and goes, you can't arrest me because I'm yelling inside of my own car. The officer says, out of the car into the back of the cruiser. After about an hour, as the officer checked him out, he says to him, okay, you're free to go. He says, I knew you couldn't do anything to me, and I'm going to tell you something. This is not going to go unnoticed. This is, doesn't end here. And the officer replied, I didn't arrest you. I didn't arrest you for shouting in your car. I was directly behind you at the light. I saw you screaming. I saw you beating your wheel. Then I noticed the cross hanging from your rearview mirror. The Jesus is coming soon bumper sticker in the fish. And I thought, well, you must have stolen the car. <laughs> Friends, don't miss this. 
We may be the only Bible some people ever read. Oh boy, let that sink in. We may be the only Bible that some people will ever read. We need to remember who we are and whose we are and how and what do we look like. You know, James shares, uh, James 1, 22 to 24. It goes, look, don't just listen to God's word. You got to do what it says. <laughs> Otherwise, you're just fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away, and you just forget what you look like. And I sit there and go, well, how can that be? How can someone look in the mirror, see themselves, and then at once walk away and forget what they look like? That's what had me working through this, this whole week. And I come up, there are just two reasons. The first one is, you do not believe, you just don't believe the mirror of God's word and an accurate, is really an accurate reflection of just truly who you are. You don't trust the mirror that you're looking into. Being deceived that you're not his masterpiece. Remember what Paul told us in Ephesians 2.10? For we, that's you, are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things that he planned for us long ago. Have you ever been at a fun house at the carnival and you walk through those, one of those halls of mirrors, you know? Uh, I mean, they're designed to make you look funny at them. You know, it's not really the reflection of you. You know, you can stand in front of one mirror and you can look real muscular. I like that one. Or you can, you can stand in front of another one and you can look extremely short and fat. You can stand yet in front of another one, you can look tall and slim and lanky. Well, obviously, friends, these mirrors are not an accurate reflection of who you are. So you walk away from them, right? I mean, you don't give it a second thought. You don't believe what that mirror said. Friends, I want to share something with you. I came across this skit. And it's about a man struggling with the idea of how could he ever be God's masterpiece. And he has a conversation with God. Go ahead and play that. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are God's workmanship, his masterpiece. I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't really see a, a masterpiece, you know? I mean, Maybe a Picasso, it's like, <laughs> but I want to be his masterpiece. I want to be everything he created me to be. And so I go to him in prayer and I say, dear heavenly father, do whatever it takes to mold me into the image of your son. Make me your masterpiece. In Jesus name I pray, amen. Hi. Whoa. Who are you? I'm God, you said the prayer, so here I am. You're not God. No, I am. You said the prayer, that's how it works. Okay, okay. If you're God, then uh, make it snow in here. You know what? I really don't want to make it snow in here because it'd get kind of yucky. Yeah, you're not God. Why do you say that? God wouldn't say yucky. I do. It's a Greek word. Oh. Okay, okay. Um, if you're God, what does Lamentations 15.9 say? Lamentations is only five chapters. It's a very short book. Oh. Why was it so short? I was tired of lamenting. Oh. Okay, okay, if you're God, who's gonna win the World Series this year? I'm really not into playing games. Why are you so much into playing games? You are God. Well, gave it away. 
You answered my question with a question. I did? <sighs> yeah, I do that, don't I? I did it again. <laughs> Step right up, here we go. Okay. All right. Hey, what are we doing? I'm gonna make you my original masterpiece. This is the process. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah. Wait, wait, what are these about? These are the tools I'm gonna use to make you into my original masterpiece. Okay. Yeah. Hang on. Yeah. I thought you were a carpenter. That's my son. Step right up, here we go. Okay. Oh, hang on. Mm -hmm. How do you know what to chisel away and what to leave? I take out everything in your life that doesn't belong there, kind of like dead weight. Ooh, speaking of dead weight, could you chisel right here? It showed up when I was in my 20s and grew around and became back fat. I don't even know why you created that, but I can't get rid of it. I mean, I've tried everything. Like, I tried running, I tried lifting weights. My wife actually talked me into trying Pilates. That was awkward, but I can't get rid of it. So if you would just chisel around here, and then, you know what, if you chisel a line right here and maybe Four to five, maybe eight lines right here. That would be awesome. You're funny. You made me that way. I also made the platypus. With the platypus? All I'm saying is most of my children, when it comes to this process, they just want to talk, but they don't want to do the work. So do you want to talk or can I chisel? Talk, chisel, No, talk, no, chisel. no, 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 no. I choose to chisel. All right. Through my Holy Spirit, I'm going to bring up things in your life that I want you to work on. Like your anger. I created the emotion, but you use it in the wrong way. Um, you compare yourself to others instead of me. You tell little white lies because you want to people please. You're lazy. But you try to fool everybody by looking really, really busy. You have a problem with lust? Well, time out. <laughs> I don't really have a problem with lust. You don't have a problem with lust. No, I can do it anytime I want. <sighs> Hang on a second. I mean, I, I gotta admit, I, I feel like you've been doing some great work and I'm looking pretty good right now. All right, when you look in the mirror, who do you see? I see me. Okay, then I need to keep chiseling away because ultimately you and other people need to see my son. Okay, don't misunderstand me. It's just um, when I look more like Jesus, people get uncomfortable around me. I mean, even my church friends and they're like, oh, you're holier than thou, you know? And, and I, don't, I don't think I'm supposed to make people uncomfortable. So what you're saying is you'd rather play God in certain areas of your life than for me to be God over your whole life. That is not what I said. It's what you meant. Yes, it is. Um, it's hard to talk to you. You know everything that I'm thinking. I'm just saying you've done some great work. Maybe we take a break, a sabbatical from each other, you know. I'll stay right here and then, you That's know. That's just it, you never just stay right there. You're either moving toward me or away from me, but never you just stay. What you're doing is called control. Do you want to control things in your life or can I chisel? Control, chisel, control, no, chisel. No, chisel, chisel. All right. But can we chisel where I want? That's called control. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. Now this right here, this secret sin that you keep running to whenever you're hurting, angry, lonely, tired, that you think you're fooling everybody, but it's making you a whitewashed tomb. Are you ready for me to chisel this out of your life? Yeah. See, it's a process. It's not a sprint, it's a marathon. It's your whole life. And you care so deeply about what other people think of you. It's rubbish, it's garbage. The greatest thing you're ever gonna hear is at the end of your life when you hear me say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what you keep your eye on. That's the prize, heavenward. Oh, that hurts. Oh, trust me, this hurts me more than it hurts you. Right. Okay, I'm sorry. I just, I don't think you understand this pain. Pardon me? You're asking me to sacrifice a lot, God. Don't. Talk to me about sacrifice. 
I know all about sacrifice. I sent my son to die on the cross for pain, for sin, but I also did it for another reason, to give you freedom. Do you know what insanity is? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And there are things that you've been doing for years, these empty wells that don't have anything to offer. You've been going to them and it's insane. Allow me to chisel them out of your life. Um, allow me to produce character where you keep focusing so much on your image. Okay, but I was thinking. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Okay, but if we went another way. Your ways are not oh, my ways. Oh, I can't. You can't what? I, I, I can't be good. That's your excuse. That's your excuse is that you can't be good. It's not an excuse. I can't. Oh, my child. In the beginning, I said it was good. I made you good. Be good. Yeah, but you and I both... What? Nothing. No, what is it? Nothing, okay? You wouldn't understand. I, God of all the universe, wouldn't understand something one of my children has to say. Try me. It's just, um, I let you down so many times, God. No, my child. You were never holding me up. I hold you up with my victorious, righteous right hand. Never the other way around. In this relationship, I hold you up. Okay chisel away. Just, just be prepared for what you're going to find in there. Because I know who's inside there. Because I get up every morning and I look at him in the mirror and I hate who I see. Because deep inside there, this, this, this little kid who gets up every morning and dresses like an adult and I go out and I, and I try to do what I'm supposed to do, but I can't, okay? I can't be who everybody else expects me to be. God, I can't even be who I want to be, much less who you created me to be. And so inside is this scared, stupid little kid. But you chisel away. Just be prepared. You have listened to so many voices for far too long that were not from me. And you have totally bought into the lie, haven't you? You think you're junk, don't you? When you lay your head down at night after you've done the dance to get the hug, you think you're junk. Listen to me, I don't take time to make junk. How can I show you that my love for you stretches as far as the east to the west? That How can I show you that my love for you has no end? I know, reach in your back pocket. What? Reach in your back pocket. Why? Are you arguing with me? Reach in your back pocket. Oh, God. Yes? I just meant, God, I'll do that right now. You're just saying my name in vain. Come on, it's, it's a name, it's a saying. It's a name above all names. It's more than a saying, it's more than a name. I wanna teach you something about my name. Reach in your back pocket. Oh my gosh. You know what that is? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a note. I, I wrote it when I was in college. How did you get this? Hello? Oh, yeah. Go ahead, read it. I love Angie. Other side. Sorry. Dear God, did I hear you right today? Did I hear you say that you love me? 
even though you and I both know I've messed up so many times. Did I hear you say you want to use me? And I feel so useless. If you'll take me and use me, then God, I give you all that I am. Take me. I love you, God. I love you too. And I love you too much just to leave you where you're at. This salvation that you hold, I don't want it to be some sentimental gush or some head knowledge. I want you to work it out in every detail of your life. And when problems come and chaos happens, don't look at it as a, as a prison, but look at it as a father disciplines his child. A father disciplines the ones he loves. I know, but it's going to be tough. Yes, but you bought into the lie thinking everything was going to be easy when you gave everything over to me. There will be trouble in this world, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. I want you to do something. I want you to look out there and I want you to say, Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Tommy is God's... No, not the way you see yourself or you try so desperately for others to see you, but maybe for the first time in your life, the way I see you, the way I created you. Tommy is God's original masterpiece. Yes, you are. And so are you. God doesn't make junk. You are an original masterpiece. Do you believe it? Do you believe you're God's masterpiece? That's why we're going to celebrate communion right now. If you take out your elements. What we're celebrating here as we start with the bread. We talk about celebrating when we saw that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came, his father asked him, I need you to go down. I need you to be the Emmanuel. I need you to be God in flesh. Show them who I truly am and tell them how much you love them. And, be, and I am willing to have my body broken for you. And as the father sent him, Sent him to his masterpieces. Just all just need a little bit of work. These masterpieces that have been infected from the world around them. A father came to ensure that each and every one of us would fully understand who we are in him. And it would take the ultimate sacrifice of his blood. The ultimate what gives us life. Do this always in remembrance of him. You know, there's something else, a little bit what was just said on that video, that interferes with how we look at ourselves, how our Father wants us to look at ourselves. And here's the second point. You see, you can look in a mirror of God's Word, and you can forget what you look like because of this.
Look, listen, you're being deceived. You're being deceived. The enemy plants doubts in our minds so that we can question the person that God has created us to be and blindly pick up fate identities that, you know, that are just thrown around, that the enemy throws around. I mean, he did it to the actual Son of God. Satan did it in Matthew 4, 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. And the tempter came, and he said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones, well, tell them become bread. But he answered him, Jesus answered him and said, Uh-uh-uh, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Even though the devil, excuse me, even though the devil knew who Jesus was, this is important as you're dealing with temptations and thoughts that come in your mind, even though he knew who he was, he dared to confront him. He still dared to confront the identity by saying, well, if you are, if you are. The devil does the same thing to us. He fills our minds with doubts, insecurities, and with fear. If you're a child of God, can't you hear, has he ever said this to you? Well, if you're a child of God, then why is this happening to you? Are you sure God loves you? Well, you know, if you're saved, a little sin's not really... It's not going to affect you. You know, I could list a whole bunch of scenarios, but I think you get the point. The devil uses tactics to trick us, but the good news is that Jesus left us the best example of all the follow, how to overcome these confrontations. You see, when the devil confronted Jesus' identity, he didn't question his identity and temptation. He used, uh, Jesus used scripture. Do you notice he used scripture as a weapon? He didn't need to prove himself, and neither do you. Just like we listen to the clip today, you don't need to prove yourself. Our identity shouldn't be in what we eat, but in who we are through God and what this book tells us, what God's own word tells us, who we are. This is what you are. You're a new creation. I mean, look what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Friends, God's word is God's mirror. It will not only transform you and me, but reflecting from the mirror is these wonderful truths, wonderful truths of what God thinks of us. But here's the big question. Do you trust God's mirror? I mean, when you read this thing, you hear it talked about, y'all, do you really, do you trust it? Or do you walk away believing just like on our clip, you're just plain not worthy? Or do you look into the word of God that says in Philippians 4, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But yet, you read that, and yet you walk away believing. Have you ever believed this? I'm never going to be good enough. I'm never going to be good enough. Do you look in the mirror of God's word that says, greater is he who is in you than who is in this world? Yet you walk away thinking you failed. Well, let me tell you something. If you do, there is a reason for this. Either you don't trust the mirror of God, you don't trust what you're looking into, or you're being deceived. I think it's important to understand you're being deceived. Friends, don't forget 
who you are. Look at Romans 14.8. For if we live, we live for the Lord. Or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Well, I love what Paul says in Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 3 through 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the pleasure of his will. You know, I came across this story. It was talking about one Sunday, uh, as they drove home from church, a little girl turned to her mother, and she says, Mommy, there's something about that preacher's message this morning I don't understand. And the mother said, Oh, what is it? And the little girl said, Well, he said that God is bigger than we are. He said God is so big that he could hold the whole world in his hand. Is that true, Mommy? Mother said, yeah, honey, yeah, yeah, that's true. But Mommy, he also said that God comes to live inside of us when we accept Jesus. Is that true? Yeah, sure, yeah, honey, yeah, that's true. With a puzzled look on her face, the little girl then asked, if God is bigger than us and he lives in us, wouldn't he show through more often? That's the point, isn't it, friends? If we're Christians, and when people see us, Jesus ought to shine through. And our homes, offices, community, every aspect of our lives. You know, Michael Jackson sang a song called The Man in the Mirror. And I'm going to read a little bit of the lyrics to you. Apologize, I got these allergies. Lyrics say, you know, I've been a victim of selfish kind of love. It's time that I realize there are some with no home, not a nickel to loan. Could it be really mean, pretending that they're not alone? A willow deeply scarred, somebody's broken heart, a washed out dream. They follow the pattern of the wind because they got no place to be. That's why... I'm starting with me. I'm starting with the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his ways. And no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself. Make a change. James stated in James 1, 22, but prove yourselves doer of the word and not just hearers and deceive yourselves. Don't stay hostage to your past. Romans 6, 16. Don't you realize, could you just see Paul talk, don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? Oh man, let me read that again. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey the teaching we have given you. Now you're free from the slavery of sin. 
and you become slaves to righteous living. You get to live on the other side of the cross. You get to live and walk in the promises of Jesus. You get to live on the other side, friends. You heard me talk about this over and over. Stop looking at the front of the cross. Jesus hung and died. He's not there anymore. He paid for everything. All we got to do now is walk on the other side of it. We walk in his blessings. God promised to strengthen you. He promised to give you rest. He promised to take care of your needs. He promised to answer your prayers. He promises to protect you. He promises freedom from sin. Friend, God loves you so much. No matter what. This is one of my favorite verses in all the scripture where Paul says in Romans 8.38, I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God. It is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Take the step of faith. Get out of the boat. You won't know you can walk on water till you get out of the boat. Take the step of faith. Be generous with your time with your finances, with all the gifts and talents that God has given you. So let me just ask you, think of this. How would things be different if Jesus literally took over your body, literally took it over for one week? In other words, his spirit fully took over you. Would your coworkers recognize you? How about your golf or tennis or pickleball or card playing buddies? What if he took your place with your finances? What if he took your place as a parent, a grandparent, a friend? You see, whether we realize it or not, this is exactly what God wants. (laughs) To make himself known to others through you and me. Through you and me. (laughs) You see, as Christians, our goal should be to introduce Jesus to others to make them known. And as Jeff says all the time, let's make Jesus famous. We should want everybody who doesn't know him, get to know him and who he truly is to discover. Don't, I mean, don't, don't you want these family members or some of your buddies, your golf and everything, don't you want them to know the hope? Don't you want them to know the joy <laughs> and the power that can come from a relationship with Jesus Christ? You know, and in fact, Ephesians 5, 1, 2, this is exactly what the Apostle Paul, this is what he urged the early Christians to do. And I think if he was here today, he'd be urging you to do the same thing. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love. Just as Christ has loved you and gave himself up for us in an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Friends, don't miss this. This world desperately needs to know Jesus. This world desperately needs to know him. Just pause for a moment and just consider, what do people see when they see us? What do they see? Do they see us being generous in the same way Jesus was with our time and energy and 
Do they see us being genuine about our faith, about our commitments? What do they see? You know, I came across a story. It said some years ago, it said, I heard a story about a young boy living in Paris at the end of World War II. He had been orphaned by the atrocities committed by the German forces. Now he's all alone. He was having to scrounge around the ruined city as best as he could to find food, clothes, and shelter. But nearly everyone was experiencing desperate times, and he found that people either ignored him or they just didn't play and didn't have nothing to give him. Years before, he heard someone talk about God and Jesus. But with the hell on earth that the war had brought into his life, he had long since lost what meager faith that he had. One cold morning, he was wandering down the street, staring in the windows of shops and cafes, and he stopped outside the window of a small bakery. And the smell of the fresh bread just made his stomach ache with pain. He was so absorbed by the smell and the sights of the bakery, he didn't realize an American soldier had come up and was watching him. The boy hardly noticed it when the GI walked past him into the shop. He did, however, notice the large bag the baker was filling for the GI with rolls and pastries and breads and all that, and the boy could hardly breathe. When the soldier exited the shop, knelt down and handed him the bag. He looked at the GI with astonishment and gratefulness. And finally, he asked the question that was running through his mind. Mister, are you Jesus? In close, can you imagine being mistaken for Jesus? To have our actions remind others of what Jesus is about and what Jesus can do in their lives? Friends, don't miss this. There is freedom, power, fulfillment, peace, and joy. The endures of God's word to live on the other side of that cross. So finally, back to our original question. Who are you? The choice is yours. You can continue to be hearers, or you can be the reflection of Christ to the world and live the most fulfilling life available. You can watch life change right in front of you. Just like Mike and Tracy shared the one story, that little girl's life is changed forever. When you walk on the promises on the other side of the cross, can I tell you, it's a game changer. When you're the, reflect or the reflection of Christ's love through your generosity and finances and talents, lives are changed. They're changed forever. They're changed forever. Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. I'm going to close with this song, and then we'll end in prayer. 